surprisingly more fun than I ever thought it would be. I'm uh, not a big fan of clowns. I don't know about you guys, but... Uh, <laughs> Only when I'm wearing the nose. <laughs> so... <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Okay, all right. No, that wasn't meant to be that weird. You're listening to the Can't Sell This Podcast, dedicated to projects past that never saw the light of day. With your hosts, Hugh Elliott and Stefan Grambart. Hugh, I'm really excited about this week's episode, as I am every episode. Uh, but this time, uh, we're interviewing an old friend of mine, I'm really happy to have him here, which is not to say that we are in the same spot because we are still isolating socially, thanks mm-hmm. to COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our guest is coming to us live from Ottawa, uh, and it is Jordan Richard. Jordan, do you want to introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Jordan. Um, Steph and I met through a mutual friend Mm-hmm. Uh, because because that mutual friend bailed on me on going to a, com- a Comic Con uh, where I had a table at Artist Alley, and then um, Steph took over. Yeah, his spot. And that's when I met Jordan, uh, mm-hmm. a fantastic artist, and uh, we became friends. And we talked about illustration. We talked about fandom, and I think we're mm-hmm. going to talk about a lot of that stuff in our episode today. Uh, but there's also some really cool stuff that Jordan has been up to since then, and in particular working as one of the creative brains behind Hit Point Press. Mm-hmm. Tabletop role-playing has become my job somehow. Uh, <laughs> the dream come true. The dream and the nightmare simultaneously. And, and is it is it something that you, so that I'm looking at here, I'm looking at the deck of many. And mm-hmm. so did you... Did you sort of go, well, we're, we're kind of into this already. We're doing D&D. Let's create our own version of this and like make our own tabletop um, role-playing game. If you want the mythological version of the of this, of the way it went down. Every was, time. I um, was uh, effectively unemployed uh, as, as all artists are most of their lives. And I needed, um, needed some work. And my boss and friend Rico, uh, who I met because it's all, all about who you meet and where. I met at the comic book shop that I was working at uh, three years, a few years before that. He would come in and play magic cards. And he started a little side business making tokens, uh, custom art tokens for magic. Um, I'm sure the both of you are somewhat familiar with Magic the Gathering. So yeah, he would he would he started making all these connections. He, it started as a gift for his partner, and then it became a, a a business. And then he started making connections. That company is called Cardamajigs, and it still exists, but now it's sort of a branch of Hit Point Press. Um, and he needed someone to put uh, stuff in envelopes uh, because the Christmas season hit really hard for him, and he was really surprised at the business. And uh, yeah. Uh, I started working just a few hours a week, and then suddenly I was there for a few days a week. And uh, he said, "You got any ideas, uh, you know, for new things?" And I had just gotten, sort of, just gotten into fifth edition D and D after a long role playing hiatus. And I said, "Well, uh, you know, there's no reference cards for it. Uh, we make cards, so you know, we could they just and they had just released their uh, open gaming license uh, for it." Um, so I said, why not do that? And then later that year, we had our first Kickstarter and um, the Deck of Many was born. And now Hit Point Press has grown to be all kinds of stuff. Uh, I mean, we, we make D&D products primarily, but um, the Deck of Many is just like one wing of our product lines, I guess now. Um, 
Yeah, and that, yeah. that Kickstarter, that first Deca Mini Kickstarter, that was wildly successful. For I mean, as far as we were concerned, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it pulled in sixty-five k or something like that, and we were looking for five k. Uh, so you know, it was a it was a strong, a fairly strong start. Um, our scale yeah. has gone squiffy since then, as far as what we've considered really good. But you know, as far as the first one, we were considering it was really just me and him, uh, you know, and one temp at the time temporary worker, now our graphic designer. But you know, it was just the three of us really, and we managed to pull it off. So. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. and now we've got whole campaign settings and 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 all animated spell cards and all kinds of stuff that we do now. But it basically started with him. I was crammed in his office. He turned around in his chair to me and said, "If I had any ideas," and then I turned around in my chair and I said, "Yes." And then that was sort of how the whole thing started rolling. Uh, yeah, the and best was, way to uh, start. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I do. <laughs> I, I, I didn't expect. Yeah, I, I mean, I've I've always if I have anything before I have money or food, I have ideas. So. Yeah, you know, so that that's uh, that worked yeah. out well for me. Yeah. Well, uh, Steph and I, have, Steph and I have talked about that ad nauseum with this podcast. But the the concept that everybody has ideas is just not mm-hmm. true. Uh, so you could very well have been one of the many that would have turned around and went, no. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good something had been percolating. Is the mm-hmm. point? You know, well, it's the. I was getting frustrated with having my fingers stuck in many pages of the monster manual uh, because I wanted to have diverse fights. That's really what it came down to like in the beginning is that I wanted to be able to easily have a goblin and an orc in the same fight without having to flip from the G section to the O section back and forth. And so I, and I knew those things existed previously for other editions. Like I, I, I skipped ahead from trying to understand advanced D&D. That was my first experience with it. And, and then I skipped right to fifth edition. I didn't play anything between, but I knew that there was, there was reference cards and things in previous things. And then I Googled it and no, there hadn't, nothing had come out yet. And so that's really what it came out of. I said, I, I real I decided that even if we just made a prototype, I would be able to have that prototype for myself. And, uh, you know, and then my D&D games would get better, whether we had a Kickstarter or not. So, right. you know, yeah. But it also seems like it's not just about the fact that you created reference cards because if it was just reference cards, it would just be the the, the text and the the rules that the uh, sure. that Wizards of the Coast, as the publishers of D anD D, had for those uh, for those monsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a lot about the the art and the design. You created something that um, had a very unique look to it, which was I, I would say probably unprecedented in D anD D at the time. Um. I guess if you're referring to re- referring to the bulk of the work being my kind of cartoony drawings, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and I mean, uh, I'm fairly modest about it. Uh, it. You know, it was a budgetary issue. Uh, we did end up doing some stretch goal art uh, where we had some because of uh, Rico's uh, like previous kind of um, connections with his with his token business. He had actually gotten in touch with a lot of artists that had worked in Magic, but we needed to draw you know, a couple hundred monsters and, mm-hmm. and I didn't work for 1200 us a piece, you know, I, I worked for eight hours a day of, of, of being able to put food in my mouth. So I, uh, you know, um, my art, I, I did more drawing in that period than I had done in my entire life wow. in a long time. Um, and so I'm proud of the last pieces that I did <laughs> and the, and the decks came out in chronological order. Like, I did them from beginning. I just started from deck one and worked away the deck three. So deck three, I will show to everybody. Deck one, I'm like, yeah, just look at this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but I, mean, I mean, yeah. 
so so a couple of things though. I mean, first of all, style-wise, I think you've almost set a precedence because now you've got you know like the deck of many animated spells and, and a bunch mm -hmm. of other uh, pieces out, and and your artwork has grown, and you've obviously brought in other artists as well. Sure. But I think that um, I mean one of the things that we always talked about, or uh, I think why we got along at that first fan expo was because we both had very similar um, tastes and very similar um, uh, inspirations. Mm -hmm. And I think that, uh, like, when you look at where Dungeons and, Dra and Dungeons and Dragons is situated now, in this point where it's not just for the role-playing gamer anymore, it's it's become such a, a huge cultural thing, especially in in COVID. And you've you've started to get things like, um, uh, you know, the Acquisitions Incorporated book, which is based yeah. on uh, the guys from uh, Penny Arcade and their or, playthrough, or the, or the Rick and Morty Rick and D &D Morty box absolutely. set. I, uh... You know, I never thought I would see something like that. Yeah, or even uh, Stranger Things is another good example. Sure. There's all these uh, all these things that are bringing D and D into the mainstream, and I, the way I see it, and the, the people that I play with now who are, you know, not long uh, lifelong role players, they're they're people who are just interested. Um, there's definitely more of a Rick and Morty humor associated with the game with the with the general public, mm -hmm. and so I think you know pre that. Uh, you had uh, the deck of many, which came out with. Um, sure, the the expectation was like very detailed fantasy artwork and and things, and I was, I mean, our our one of our most popular things that I made up is this like cultist of the Tarasque, uh, basically, and he's wearing the equivalent of a Tarasque furry suit. He's in our NPC deck, and. Uh, he's wearing oven mitts uh that you know he, and and it's one of our most popular <laughs> creations and uh especially around the office but uh yeah that wasn't stuff that you were i mean you were, you would get goofy stuff but not not that not that kind of having fun not having that much fun with it i think at the beginning mm. so yeah were you are you creating uh characters monsters player like non npcs are you are you creating those things to be put into the game or are you adapting things that already are pre-existing so the early days we were we were using the um the open gaming license uh, wizards has an open gaming license for fifth edition hmm. D, which allows the creation of third-party products um and then there's a document called the systems reference system reference document, which has um, basically the basic rule set and the the text from the existing rules that you're allowed to basically copy and paste into your book. It it makes it's just enough so that you're able to make your rules make sense compared to the player's handbook, right? Okay. Um, but okay. in the back of it is about 95% of the monsters from the monster manual, maybe, maybe 90, 90, 95% uh, of their stat blocks. And so our Oops. original decks and all of our spell cards, they all reference the actual content from the player's handbook and the monster manual and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Um, because that's, you know, that's the foundation we were going to, you, we, we wanted to make reference cards because that was kind of the business we were in already because um, mm -hmm. the tokens are kind of that. And uh, I, I didn't consider myself a games game designer at the time I, I was doing, I was a dungeon master, but I didn't consider myself someone who was capable of making up new things that people would want to buy. So, mm -hmm. so we started with that because it was there and no one had done it yet. And it, it meant that we could do the art side and not worry about the game design side. Now, uh, uh, 
now we create our own content uh, because the SRD is a limit. It has a, has a limit to what's there. And also uh, writing Wizards Coattails is not what we want to do forever, right? For sure. So now, yeah. now uh, we write our own, we've got uh, one whole campaign setting out, Humblewood, uh, which was last I year. I saw that, okay. Yeah, and uh, that, that was our first million million dollar Kickstarter. And then uh, this year we, we uh, did uh, Hecna, which is kind of a 80s cosmic horror clown setting, um, <laughs> which has been surprisingly more fun than I ever thought it would be. Uh, I'm not a big fan of clowns. I don't know about you guys, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I've been heavily involved with that. Only and, when uh, I'm wearing the nose. <laughs> so, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> okay. All right. No, that wasn't meant to be that weird. I just happened Speaking to be, I'm just of- <clears throat> copy and pasting speaking of clown noses though i think that's probably one of the more frightening monsters i've seen in history of oh the dragons. actual schnozzling yeah oh creepy <laughs> yeah it's a clown nose that is a bug that crawls out of this guy's face and comes after you it's it's delightfully frightening yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay. then you become a clown it's yeah i thought that was how it worked in real life so we just put that into the game i'm, I'm pretty sure it is yeah yeah um yeah, so now creation of new stuff is really where we want to go because mm-hmm. you want to make brands, you know? Yeah, which is going to be the more satisfying aspect of it, obviously. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's got legs. Now we have our own campaign worlds we can, because right. you're allowed to access the rules uh, in the SRD, but you're not allowed to access the setting. Um, right. You, you don't get a light, you need a full license, and they give that out very sparingly. So, or you have to go through their DMs Guild, which is sort of their their own marketplace and anyone can then use any content from any of the books but wizards takes half of all of your sales right uh which is um no good crummy to say the least yeah it's not <laughs> great i mean it, it it has launched a lot of really good good writers and creators uh but you don't get to you don't uh like um uh, ashley warren wrote uh, the uncaged series of, bo- of books where they take um they take monsters, especially ones that have kind of um, ties to patriarchal concepts and stuff like that, and they twist them onto their onto their on their sides. So they just spin monsters in interesting ways, and they're amazing. And they are like platinum sellers on the site, uh, but they're not allowed to make uh, a hardcover copy to sell um, because mm. it belongs to wizards. Uh, and uh, you know, so that's kind of a bummer. So we're trying to avoid that as much as we can. Um, and luckily we've made a couple of things that people like, so, you know, worked out. Yeah, but you can also see sort of like the progression that goes from, you know, creating tokens and reference cards using specifically what's in, uh, you know, the SRD to branching out to creating uh, some campaign settings and then your own, you know, continue to create those those reference cards, but now for stuff that you've created. And you could probably, you know, logically see the next step is moving beyond even Dungeons and Dragons doing your own game potentially. That is really my goal. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I love D and D. I'm not a big fan of Wizards, and so uh, we're allowed to speak freely on this podcast. I presume, oh, of course. Right? Um, yeah. Uh, no sacred cows or whatever. So yeah, mm-hmm. I obviously um, uh, I obviously love D and D. It has given to me the concept of it, and and Fifth Edition generally has given to me quite a lot in my life. But, um, uh, I, you know, I'm looking forward to trying out new things. And, and there are there are a, a lot of other open gaming, like games that mm-hmm. have open gaming licenses. We, Steph and I have talked about Blades in the Dark and, mm-hmm. and um, 
that type of thing. So there's lots of directions we can go where we don't have to invent, reinvent the wheel, but we can create our own things, but then also designing our own system. Uh, some, something that we something that we aspire to, one of the companies that we aspire to is Free League. They've created um, oh, yeah. Yeah, Tales from the Loop and stuff, but their system is is their own. And all their games use the basic system, uh, basically the same system, you know? So they've done the D&D thing where they've created this system, but now they also, they got the Aliens franchise and they got Tales from the Loop. And, you know, they've, uh, they've kind of cracked the code on that. So that's definitely the next frontier for me. It, I, I'm definitely like a little indie asshole and I'm trying to make everybody like at work try try get new games so that we can start figuring out what we want to do next so and, and so when you know speaking of indie um and going back to that uh, that first meeting at uh, at fan expo where we, we shared that booth and we sold some art a little um, bit we did more talking than selling we I did think. do a lot yeah. more and i think the second year we did it we we did a little bit more selling <laughs> yeah. maybe to the chagrin of the, the people that were sitting around us remember but, the uh, little cardboard beard we made people yeah wear? oh yeah. yeah i still have it it's still in a box somewhere that's I, funny. I, Stefan I, has actually mentioned that cardboard beard a few times. Yeah. The grim beard. Yeah. <clears throat> there was a he had an Instagram going or yep. something. We did yeah, see yeah. a bunch of photos. We, did. we had big plans as we as you as we often do, <laughs> as we nerds often do. But, uh, but yeah, but it's um You're talking you're talking about the first fan expo and indie games. Yeah, and just and just the in, indie indie um sort of atmosphere of artist's alley. Uh, but you have you have all these people with this wonderful art because I remember I, I'm I made some money off of the art that I sold, but then I, I spent twice as much on other people's prints. I went around and yeah. I, I, I like um and it's Kickstarter that it's given this independent crowd, this indie crowd, uh especially in role playing games where there's this great mixture of writing, game design and art, a, a place to actually create a product and sell it and potentially like hit point press, make it into a business. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for, you know, the sort of independent artist who's starting up, who, who is thinking about going this route? Uh, I can count on one hand. Uh, and, and this is, I'll go from the board game perspective because most RPGs aren't one person, but even so between RPGs and board games, I can count on one hand, the number of creators that can do all of the things good enough to make a good product um so I, I am not a business head so i can't really speak too much to that i was lucky enough to start working for rico who really knew, knew knows how to maneuver a, a spreadsheet uh you know and that is the biggest compliment i can give because he is, keeps us <laughs> he keeps us from tanking every day but um as far as, you know, <clears throat> one of the smartest moves, I think, is that we found the people to fill the gaps and the things we don't know how to do instead of trying to figure out how to do it ourselves. Um, find, if, if you want to publish a game, if you're a game designer, don't try and do the art, of, you know, if you're not the artist. And even so, even if you are an artist, you know, maybe find one anyway so that you can focus on the writing. Um, if you're not great at the fiction writing, find someone who can write fiction for you and then you could just focus on the game design like that's sort of how we're that's sort of how our our company is un, is unfolding is like oh none of us are particularly good at this we'll just find that puzzle piece now um and then yeah so don't go alone i guess is really is really my biggest piece of advice know what you're bad at find someone who's good at that thing that you're bad at and then do it with them make sure you can trust them Make sure you build a business out properly, which again is things I don't know how to do, so I will not speak to here. But um, 
that's the big thing because the other stuff just is if you're interested in it do it i mean i don't i don't want to tell you to not or to to to, to do or do not but like if you're going to do it and you want to publish a book you know wait until you have enough money to hire artists if you're not good at it pay them uh make sure everyone make sure the people that you do things for you get paid and um and yeah don't go it alone if you don't have to mm-hmm. It sort of ties into one of the things that you were talking about before, where uh, with that first uh, uh, Decameni Kickstarter, you know, you did a lot of the work because you had to, because, you know, the budget was low, you need to get mm-hmm. uh, a lot of artwork done. And um, even saying, you know, like the third deck is the one that I'm proud of and the first deck I'm not so proud of anymore. And I think that's completely natural. You know, as you do a lot of work, you will get better at it. Uh, but I think it's also interesting that you know, you still released it, you know, it was, it didn't get into a situation where you're like, I can't release this until it's perfect. Because if, you know, perfection oh, yeah. is the, the enemy of, of done. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's a certain degree of, uh, good enough, uh, on that, mm-hmm. on your first project. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. and then I guess, I guess my, I, that would go to another, uh, you know, piece of advice, which we followed as well, which is scale, you know, look at the scale of your project. And uh, I'm, I've been working, we've been in existence for four, close to four years now, I think. And I'm only now just thinking about actually working on my own campaign setting that I'm going to publish through work, right? That's four years of working there where I haven't even thought about touching something of that scale, you know? So mm. um, we we did we did the, the reference deck and then we did the animated reference deck uh, spells, uh, which... I was about to grab one to show, but where this is radio, but it's a, um, well, we'd still like to see it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, now I don't know if I've got one on hand. Uh, to be <laughs> so this is really, huge this tease. Is, yeah, I'll, I'll try and, um, I'll try and dig one out here, but, um, basically they're lenticular cards. So you tilt them, uh, right, and, sure. they, and, and they've got eight frames of animation and they show the effect of the spell. Actually, um, Steph animated a couple of the ones in the, uh, in the deck that I, I think it's this one here. But yeah, I think th- those illustrations are more in the first deck pile oh, than the third so, deck pile. No, well, we did learn a lot <laughs> of rules about how it worked. But yeah, oh I don't know. yes, we did. Oh, wow, those are great. Eldritch Blast, yeah. And then yeah. on the back is the reference, right? Um, for the folks at home, they're tarot-sized cards. Uh, that was important to us because we could fit all of the content onto the cards. Um, important to me anyway. Rico thought it was dumb, but it worked out. <laughs> um, <laughs> He doesn't know yeah. So uh <laughs> give me your badge and your gun. <laughs> are you guys hiring? Uh so on uh yeah, so we scaled everything, we scaled uh, everything up appropriately. We didn't bite off more than we can chew, which I think is that's like generally good advice for any project that you're starting. But when it comes to this, if you can write a if you can write one subclass for D D and get that out there and people buying it for a dollar or something, or whatever you think is I mean, it's worth more than a dollar, but you know what I mean in the scale of mm-hmm, the things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. Perfect. You got to, you, you put it something new into the world. People are paying you a dollar for it. Like that's awesome. Uh, next time you can publish two or a set of five that are themed together or something, you know, uh, r- roll it out slow. Um, uh, yeah. You're not going to make money on day one. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that seems to go back to also the, the artist thing. And like uh, people who go to Artist Alley, it's, you know, I think the, the benchmark was you've got to go to Artist Alley for five years before you really start um, 
becoming an established person there and making some money off of it. You know, the first few years are, are rough. It's hard to hard to make money. And a lot of it is go. Don't, don't just say, well, I'm not going to go, but you go and you take part and you know that it's going to be, you know, if, if you're lucky, you'll break even, which is like my first attempt. I, I almost broke even. Um, but it was a learning experience. It was learning and seeing what other people do, meeting other people, finding out if they were coming back the next year, making some friends. And, and that was what was worth it. I mean, even just you and I sitting together in that booth, we became friends. Like that was, yeah. that was what it was about. You know, I was happy to pay the price for half a, a table to, uh, to, to have that experience. You, you heard it here first. I'm worth, my company is worth at least 250 Canadian dollars <laughs> uh, to sit beside me at a, at a booth. So, Hey, I'm, I'm taking it as a, <clears throat> also the value of this podcast oh so. well, there you go well, <laughs> well, all in uh, equipment <laughs> yeah the money that steph was going to pay to me can he, he can give to you oh well i wasn't aware he for was my company anybody yeah. For oh yes um, um i yeah. i think that's i think that's really interesting and you know from the perspective of you know one is is scaling be realistic in in what you're going to make just be aware that you can build towards something as opposed to uh, in a lot of situations, when you, when you talk to someone about something that they're working on, it's always this very grand idea that can never get done. And that, you know, I, I, I suffer from that all the time. It's always this big idea. And, and I am stymied left and right by the steps that are involved to get to that big, I that big result. Mm -hmm. And, and oftentimes the small little hits, the the low hanging branches that I really need to 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 grab, are the ones that I can release those things. And I, I wonder, you know, as you were doing that, is that something that you grew into, or is that something you already were doing? We definitely, I personally, in all the things I try and work on, and definitely at Hit Point Press, we try and do it too. Is we always look at what not just what this product is at, as on its own, but like, what could it be the foundation for next? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, and I, I don't know if we necessarily had that right at the beginning. Although um, about halfway through a successful Kickstarter, you start inventing about a dozen more Kickstarters because the thrill of it all is just so much that your brain is going into overdrive. Um, and, and I'm pretty sure somewhere in there, animated spells were brought up for the first time. Um, mm -hmm. Also because uh, Cardamon Jigs was selling lenticular. Um, Rico Token? had a source on the tokens on this lenticular thing and no one else has done them. I don't know. I don't know. We were, I, I was expecting with the spell cards doing so well that they would start popping up places. But um, yeah, so we knew the idea was there. And then once Rico started seeing, you know, okay, D&D is a moneymaker and also there's lots of content, um, you know, we that planted the seed, but but it's, I guess it's important to say they were still reference cards. They were a new kind of reference card for the spell things. They had a new twist to them, uh, but they they were still building off the previous one. And then Humblewood, uh, which was our first like campaign setting that we created from the ground up, um, was it started as a deck of cards. It was literally yeah. just going to be a deck of cards with a booklet in it. Um, but then we got a pretty great artist on board and... Um, we realized uh, we just started talking about them a bit and sending out things and realized that people wanted really liked it. And so now it's a hardcover book and a box set and miniatures and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, the foundation was always still a deck of cards and there is, there's a hundred 
card deck in in the box set that ha you know that has all the reference and then of course animated spell animated versions and things um and then we learn from that and then now Hecna has a box set but we're also adding props and 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 handouts and you can get um like carnival tickets is one was one of the things so that you can give them out to the uh, you know to be able to play the games in the revelia the carnival uh, and stuff so we're just like each one is just the iteration of the last thing that adds a little bit new and folds in the things we've learned and and then trying something new every time it's trying something new as well so it's a mix mm -hmm. of that um but sure every project is a seed for the next project is the are you reaching are you reaching the point where it's self-sustaining so you, that you don't need to go to kickstarter or are you doing kickstarter specifically because there's this built-in audience that is ready and raring to go to to back you or the million I, the million dollar humblewood kickstarter was great but another thing that rico did really well i'm gonna give i will give him most of the credit uh, i just <laughs> sit around and think about goblins and he turns it into a business but i um he was he didn't make any plans we didn't make any plans for anything big and crazy until we had another successful kickstarter that was in that same ballpark because the first time can be a fluke uh we got retweeted for free by matt mercer uh you know from critical role on that humblewoods uh, you know uh, a large influencer in the DD world um, he likes birds and he saw Humblewood. Humblewood is a campaign center where you can play as birds, um, okay. uh, pigeons and, and crows and chickens and things, um, humanoid versions of them, not the actual, uh, farmyard animals. Although that would go be for fun. it. Uh, yeah, do it. Um, and so he retweeted it for free, uh, to get them to talk about it now it's in the tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, but at the time he retweeted. And so that spike, you know, really pushed us into a new thing. And that is an accident. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it was exciting sure. when it happened, but you know, we're still at the point as a company where nothing is guaranteed, I think is what I was getting at. And unlike a lot of big companies like Cool Mini or Not or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, where their game is already done and <laughs> the game is done and built and designed uh, before they even launch the Kickstarter, um, we are we're still writing Humblewood stuff and it ended last year, you know? Right. Um, so, uh, you know, we're still using Kickstarter in that way that the way that it was supposed to be used, which is like, we're only going to make as much as people want, uh, you know, and, sure. and, and we use that to our strength. Like, uh, you know, we have not, we have not added new stuff into uh, the Humblewood universe that is just like, um, new stuff that we're adding to the website and not doing Kickstarter for because we want to make sure that everything for the original one is good. Um, but also we don't know what else they want. And a Kickstarter is just a good way to find that out. You know what I mean? Um, oh yeah, absolutely. So, and I mean, I mean, I'm telling you about Kickstarter, you guys know all about Kickstarter, but that is still baked into our process. There are some plans um, to release some stuff uh, and actually we've started working with other companies where we're helping them publish their books and that's sort of an experiment as well so we, we've got um uh the Cena una campaign setting which uh it's a really high quality work a really amazing artist working on it and uh, so we're publishing helping them publish that and and that's sort of our testing ground for okay this didn't have a kickstarter it just was like a hardcover a hardcover book that someone wrote um right and then if that if it does well which is so far the pdf is doing well then you know we'll start um doing that as well hmm. um but for now kickstarts are what's planned uh for the foreseeable future 
it's still a big part of our business model and mm-hmm. because it's great. It means, it just means that we don't overcommit. Well, I, been, I mean, like to me, to me, it, it, yeah. is there any kind of issue with like what Kickstarter gets out of you? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Wh- you have a million dollar campaign, but a we're percentage of that point, goes. Like we're at the point where, you know, Kickstarter, Kickstarter wants people to succeed. Like it, it for obvious reason, because they get money when they do, but working with them has been very easy. Um, you right. Know, uh, they, I, again, I can't really talk about, I, not, not because I, I can't talk about money, but I just don't know a lot about the ins and outs oh, that's uh, and funny, that's on yeah. purpose. Cause I don't want to, but um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'll screw those. I had to make a budget for a project and I was just like, you got the wrong. <laughs> you, slid a, you slid a, a napkin across the table. Like, I think this is. <laughs> yeah. It just had the word number written on it. And R- it was, Ricardo's dollar like, sign. You yeah. gave me this spreadsheet, but you just drew goblins in every box. So and how like, did you draw goblins in spreadsheet? And I'm like, yeah. Oh, I know Happy my stri- paste. <laughs> I know my stri- ASCII goblins. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a project. ASCII goblins. Yes. I'm, I'm going to work on that. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. So, um, as far as what they take in things, it's proven to be worth it for us. Uh, uh, for, sure. for sure. And if you work with them and you work within the framework of what they're doing, then you get, they'll promote you, you know, and, and I, stuff. I think it's more, I think it's more along the lines of there are, I'm sure that there are people who launch a Kickstarter or they put a Kickstarter together and they, they ask for exactly what they need. Oh, you know what yeah. I mean? And then, and then if they succeed, they don't have exactly what they need, you know, like there's this whole sure. pro- project more than you require the so funny, that you can take care of this percentage. The funny thing about it is, is that you actually need to undershoot what you, right. your, your actual goal needs to be lower than what you actually need because you need to fund early. Like the math of it is, is you need to fund early. Hmm. The earlier on day one that you can, you can say that you have funded, the better your project's going to do because and this happens a lot more with video games where they don't meet their numbers but like the video game will say we need five hundred thousand dollars and even that is not an my understanding is not that much and not really enough to make a video game but that number when someone comes to look at that and you're 20 days in and you've only made three hundred and fifty thousand dollars you know that's that person it feels is, like it's not going to get there that person is not yeah. going to back it right it's yeah. it's the same thing almost in any kind of funding application um you you have to be realistic as well right because if you say we're going to make this video game for you know eighteen thousand dollars you know people are like really what are you going to make for eighteen thousand dollars i don't i don't really think yeah you know video, what you're doing. video games are a tougher right. model yes. uh, yeah for sure but you're but you're right it's like someone sees oh they only need a hundred dollars of fund Mm-hmm. Or like a, someone just wants to make their own little deck of cards or something. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, this is going to be chintz. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, but if you so, say 5,000. Sure. Like, oh, they need $5,000 to yeah, make yeah. this really and, nice and card game. You make it look like a deal and you make sure that mm-hmm. you get, a, you know, that kind of thing. It's just one of the, it's one of those things. And we've come across our kind of like 20K tends to be now where we put our, our goal at. Um, and that we, we can usually make that goal on day one. Um, but I mean, our projected needs are usually in, you know, a lot more than that. So mm-hmm. because now we have a warehouse that we want to stock with things. We have a website we want to sell from, right? On the first thing, I, we <laughs> we were working out of Rico's other business, his office for his other business at the time. So um, 
when all of those things actually showed up, we had to ask the office building if we could squat on the ninth floor, which is being renovated. (laughs) And we had to haul all of the boxes, basically like six at a time. And we weren't expecting to, to have to send out as many as we were, but we had to take them down into the parking garage, into the elevator up. And then, and we, like we broke four carts, you know? Um, So we, we overshot. I think it was too successful really for, we didn't expect I was going to go. So, but now we, now we're in a position where we can, you know, we need to send things to distributors and we need to much higher quality cards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I, I don't, they're really good now because I don't draw a lot of them anymore, but uh, I, uh, we've, we've, we've just made so many amazing connections. Mm -hmm. Um, I do get to draw some things sometimes, but for the record, I said carts, not cars. Oh, oh, sorry. (laughs) I just immediately went into self-deprecation about how you grow carts, and I was like, you bought higher quality carts, and you're like, oh yeah, by myself all day. All I could do is think about my failings. Okay, with a cat who just doesn't care. All she wants to do is hide under the blanket so she doesn't have to look at me. I it's I get it. Honestly, I get it. Well, in my defense, I said carts. Yeah, okay, yeah. I will learn to I will learn to enunciate yeah. better in that we, in that no, way. No, it's fine. I mean, it led to some jokes, which is always good. We, yeah, we have a <laughs> we have a lift now. We actually have like a like you have to go through the training course lift for the for the for the thing. It's pretty sweet. Oh man, they don't let there me near it, go. but it looks cool. Um, yeah, so. You didn't get the training. The, uh, well, the training, did you? Only <laughs> it came it came during COVID times. Uh, wow. So. So I, I'm not at the office right now. So right, yeah. I had a project that I was working on, and uh, we needed to do a whole bunch of illustration and storyboards, and I really wanted to do it. But I'm 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 sort of the creative lead on this project right now. I don't have the time to do this. So I, I found an artist, and then when he started handing in the work that he had done, and I realized that at that point, like through that project that I got as much enjoyment out of directing artists as I did from creating the art itself. And I'm just wondering now that you're moving into, uh, I guess, more game design, is that right? Yeah. I will like, I manage projects. Uh, right. like I'm, I'm in charge of the big bad, the any award winning big bad booklet, um, which is our Patreon, uh, zine kind of thing that we send out. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, as far as creativity goes, like creative stuff is it, writing, but yeah, I do a lot of, I guess art directing uh, for the for the lack of a better word, um, and it is it's fun. It, it's absolutely fun working, collaborating with other artists, and like first of all, you kind of get to tell really cool artists to do things, and then they draw them for you, and you don't have to pay for the commission, and that's really nice. I mean, they get paid, but but not out of my pocket, and uh, so there's just something fun to that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it isn't like a it's great to have an artist toady around or anything like that. It's more just like I get to see new art every day mm-hmm. that is created mm-hmm. by these talented people across like portfolio day, hashtag portfolio day on Twitter is like, is the, is the best. Cause we just go and we scan that for all the new, new people. And so, you know, we worked with everyone, like with people, one of the big bads, the interior illustrations were almost like you old UPA cartoons, like Mr. Magoo style art. And then we've gone all the way over to like Dave Greco, who does these like amazing painted, like fully re- rendered things, right? Uh, and it's just, 
it's a blast. It, it's a real, really fun time. And the same with working with writers is, is really cool. And these these are the same artists that are working on uh, artists and and writers working on like so let's say Hecna right so this mm-hmm. is a a concept that you were part of creating the concept for but then you've worked with other uh, writers and artists how is it like having uh, seen your your sort of vision for this this Hecna campaign setting come to life through other people's talents and their it's it's amazing how it all just becomes one kind of snowball down a hill because i hecna was based on a joke if you know D, you know of this of the ancient lich vecna whose eye and hand still wander the landscape of of the world worlds now he's an infamous infamous kind of villain um and then one one day we made the joke about this clowny version of him named hecna and it went into the joke pile for a while, but then those papers tend to like fall into the actually actual project pile. Um, and we started actually thinking about it as an idea. Um, and then it was a pile of, it was a word doc uh, for a, like six months or something like that. And then, um, and then we pulled it back out again to start working on it. And we handed it to an artist named Jason Engel who had done a lot of art uh, for the Cartabajig stuff. And uh, he he did the art for the Bible um, type thing. And um, for our art Bible, he didn't illustrate the Bible, although actually I don't know that for sure. But um, <laughs> we don't make assumptions. Yeah, we were having him illustrate a Bible. Uh, and so uh, he did probably like 200% more drawings than we asked because he was so into it. And I ended up having to write stat blocks for monsters that were just, that started as drawings. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's how mm-hmm. like cool mm-hmm. it is to get someone whose brain just wires into the thing immediately. And, and then suddenly, you know, it's back and forth and, and, and things like that. It's, it's exhausting. I'm not going to lie. Like having to deal because we, we don't just have one artist, you know, like there's on, on the animated spells, like I now have, I've worked with like 50 different animators now uh, and like herding them is, is as you would expect is like herding any kind of group and, and, and managing them and having to kind of talk to them in the, in the different ways that you've learned to talk to them and, and like having to memorize, like keep track of like the best way to interact with them. Like that's exhausting, but the collaborative aspect like fills my tank back up every time because it's just, mm-hmm. it's just neat. It's just neat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it's, it was kind of a worry getting to this point, you know, where you, you, I don't get to do art anymore and I have to tell other people to do art, but it, it's, it's a joy. Most days it's an absolute joy. So, and it's made all of our products better. It's made all of our products better. So. Yeah. Single source art is, is generally not, not as great as mm-hmm. like you got to be sources. real. You got to be real good and mm-hmm. you got to fit, you have to fit the project really well and you got to be willing to put all the time into it um but for us in particular having two pages with two different styles art that are depicting the same world kind of just means you you know someone flipping through humblewood's going to find a piece they like you know what i mean because we've just yeah. got this variety um yeah that that also that seems like such a a, a weird um element that has just been part of role playing games since the beginning because they just like, well, we can only afford 
three illustrations from this guy, but maybe we can find someone else to do some more illustrations. So you yeah. always had had rule books that had a ton of different art styles. And again, I think that's why, like, I mean, I buy books just for the art or just for the design and layout. Yep. Uh, I can appreciate that in a book and, and um, probably about a good third of the books on my shelf I've never played, but I've bought them because they looked awesome. Yep. And I mean, there are a lot of really great indie books that have a singular artist to them. Mm -hmm. Like the yep. Blaze in the Dark is, a, for example, yep. is like a singular vision as far as the art goes. Um, but yeah, I think coming, I think probably coming from Matt, because because Rico's a collector of Magic cards as well, and he's got original art and things mm -hmm. like that. And Magic is, you know, in some, it feels like in some sets, every new card has a different artist. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. they seem to reference, they seem to pull in a lot of different people. And I think we probably came from that angle too, where variety is really the spice of life. But yeah, then it when it when it starts becoming like they're creating art, but they're also creating the content of the book along with us is pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where where are you heading? Like, is you know, uh, do you have a couple more um, campaigns sort of uh, in the back of your head and the back burner where you're like, man, I cannot wait until yeah. I do such yeah, and such. Yeah, lots of lots of stuff cooking uh you know it, it, the having to uh being constructed only of ideas like we were talking about at the beginning uh is 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 a boon and a bane you know because it's um we we have like a bunch of projects we have a we have a on our um on our project management site we have link project ideas and there's more there's more projects uh you know ideas in there than than we have total uh, projects actually uh, mm -hmm. working on working on mm -hmm. um, um, which is a long wind winded way to say yes uh, to, <laughs> to your question but, um, the, the the goal for the next year COVID is like slowed us down obviously um, for sure not being able like not being having to collaborate but not being in the same place is obviously a big pain um, so next year is going to be about making sure that we make a we do a really good job of the stuff that we um, have promised already. Um, so actually, our first sequel will be happening next year because the final million dollar stretch goal for Humblewood was Humblewood 2. Um, and that world... So if, if you think of a, a map of Earth, you know, Humblewood is, is just like Greenland, uh, you know, sized. Um, right. And now we're talking about... We've, we've just started talking about the entire, the entire globe that that world exists in. Hmm. Um, and you, you know that's being written right now and developed and we keep bringing in new writers on that um uh and then i started pitching uh non D, D stuff uh to see what sticks um they they're we're at a point where they i've done enough writing i created a a, a new way for hecna uh, called the shuffled stories engine where you can create your own campaign just with a deck of playing cards and it and like a basically every every card number and suit in, in the deck ties to like something on a chart um right. it, it was amazing to my work friends to the work people but it's like an idea that's obviously been used in a lot of different ways in indie things i just put my own spin uh my own spin on it and made it ours um and now they're starting to see okay we can innovate a little bit, uh, you know, we can start trying to uh, do new things. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, so I've pitched I've pitched a couple of games. Uh, everything is always card driven. Like I try and tie it back to that because that's what we do well. But uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be my big dream for next year is to try and maybe get something at the very least ready to play test that is has has no d20 in it no attack modifier you know what i mean <laughs> something new um no hit points freaking <laughs> no hit points this... from, from hit point press <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, that's the irony i no, i will rant on the internet for for hours and hours about yep. how much i hate hit points. hit points i think yeah. the last i think the recent time we reconnected steph we talked about hit points probably Ugh. for 10 minutes yeah. and yet it's the name of the company i work for so but it it's a good name regardless of a mechanic it's a good name <laughs> yeah yeah no we're we're happy with it for sure <laughs> has there ever been any kind of um fiction written based out of the world of humblewood or i mean heck maybe not so but but i don't know humblewood we, uh, people written stories you know uh we get a like lot of amazing of fan art uh which is like oh, a, cool. yeah i which i i it Humblewood really connected with people on a level we weren't expecting. And it, right. you put a cute owl man on the front of a book, I guess you're going to do pretty well on Kickstarter. That's that's my third piece of advice, I guess, is put a cute owl on your cute product. And... animal or just owl? owl well, we, just owl. Owl, owl, the little <laughs> owl man was the biggest... Uh, was the biggest success. <laughs> he he garnered us our first meme on Reddit, which uh, was pretty amazing. Because because <laughs> on the cover of the book, he's he looks like he's six inches tall. He looks like a tiny little owl man. Right. But in the context of, of cause, cause that was the first drawing ever made. And actually that drawing inspired the setting, not the other way around. Um, hmm. We saw that piece on Leisha Hannigan's um, uh, art, which became our art director on the project, a creative director on the project. We saw that on our Instagram and we are like, that guy deserves a campaign setting <laughs> around him because he was so dang cute. <laughs> I'm not even joking. She drew that in a pigeon wizard who had this book that had a, he was casting a bread spell. Like it was just like, it was a glyph that looked like a, a slice of bread. That's awesome. Uh, and oh we're like, God. this is, this is a thing. And, and it became one, but uh, in the, I guess the cover kind of makes it look like the, all of them are going to be very little and cute. And then we built them like to make sense with um, D and D races, right? Like, so, so yeah. the owl folk are actually fairly big, you right. know. They're they like compared to other birds, owls tend to be pretty big with with a few outliers. So the meme was like how they present the owl folk on the cover, and then it was our cover, and then it was like how they are in the book, and it was just his face pasted over top like this muscly dude. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that was a great day around the office because we were like we. We've been memed on Reddit. I, I like. Oh I didn't think that would ever happen. So, but we get fan art. We have a Discord that um, we have a Discord that uh, has a whole Humblewood section, and we're getting to hear stories of people's own campaigns, uh, which is again, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, those are the stories we're getting. Is the stories of people playing the game with their families? Like, if their, people are interested in their kids because it is a very it's it's kid friendly. It's not kid oriented, but it's kid friendly kind of world, and so. Right. You know, that's really great. Um, and then during the Kickstarter, one of the goals was to get a comic book written. Um, and we actually got uh, Gail Simone uh, hooked oh. on it. And yeah, who's a fairly big name in, mm -hmm. in comics these days. Um, and uh, yeah, it's called For Want of a Nail. And it and it is amazing. It's The second issue is out. And it's free on the site, uh, on our Hitpoint Press. It's site. one of my favorite old poems, For Want of yeah. a Nail, The Shoe Was Lost. 
yeah. love that. And it, it, one it, of my is a, it is a, this snowball story kind of like that. So oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and amazing artists. I can't remember their name right now. I can get that for your show notes, but uh, check it, check it out. Um, it's not a, there's no print of it yet. <laughs> oh, um, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I really want to see that meme. I was like looking up Humblewood Owl Folk meme. <laughs> yeah, the, they're called the Strig, S-T-R-I-G. So it might come up under that. But uh, yeah, that's when we knew we made it. Steph, what do you think, man? I mean, this has been fantastic. Uh, I mean, this uh, I absolutely adore uh, the work that you guys have been putting out. Um, and I am infinitely jealous of the fact that you have now built your career around role-playing games and i know it's not all uh, goblins and wizards all goblins and wizards <laughs> but I, all of but, it and i know it's a lot of hard work but um i can't think of anyone else who would be as driven and as passionate as you about this this work and i just think it's so awesome that it's working out well i really appreciate that and i like I, in the early days, I would say that I was lucky, but but we're working very, very, very hard. Mm -hmm. uh, and I guess if I can leave the creators out there with one last um, thing is that don't let people tell you how lucky you are <laughs> to be doing it, because that's not really what if you are if you have even a little bit of success or even if you've just published one thing and 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 one person bought it it's because you did something that someone else liked and you worked hard to do it and it, yeah. it's not easy because a lot of people are i don't want to say envious but you know there is there are people that might look at this, your success even your small ones and say man you know if only that job would fall into my lap uh you know and um, luck discounts hard work. That's yes. I've, I've always, I've always had a problem with someone saying I've been very lucky. I always, I tend to, I, I yeah. use the, the word fortunate. I've been fortunate to, to yeah. have whatever, but whenever someone says lucky, I always go, you haven't been lucky. You worked really hard mm -hmm. and it's been recognized, you know, yeah. like that to yeah. me is it's, it's a difficult thing for a lot of people because a lot of people don't like to crow on about themselves. I mean, we're not millennials, so we don't tend to. <laughs> I, I might fall amazing. in. I might be an elder millennial, but that thing an changes elder millennial? all the time. Uh, okay, oh man, that sounds well, like a really weird character class. This yeah. interview is. I'm more like an no. eldritch millennial, uh, you know. Eldritch. <laughs> eldritch. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. no! Now my, my now my wheels are turning. Yeah, it occurred campaign. to me. It occurred to me that millennials are now like actually in their 30s. You know, like. Yeah. Because I'm yeah. I'm Gen X and it's it's just weird to me to think that no, but I think it's also um, when you do see someone else's success, uh, you know, there's there's two ways that you can look at that oh, as, yeah. an, as an artist yourself. You can say they got lucky and they had something good, and I wish that would happen to me. And then you just sit there and do nothing. Something or fell you look at lap. someone's success yeah. and you say they worked hard and look where they got. I need to work yeah. hard, sure. and then then I'll get there, right? Like, and it's, and it's, even like that, you're, if your boss, you're in a creative, somewhat creative position field, small startup thing, and your boss says, is there something, do you have an idea? Like, that's not luck that I turned around and I said, mm -hmm. I said that, mm -hmm. right? Like, I could have clamped yeah. up and, and, and I'm not trying to make myself seem like some mega genius because many people have glommed onto the D&D, &D, you know, open license and things like that. But it, it's just takes a small step I, I have a lot of privilege that allowed me to do it as well and as you have to acknowledge all of that too but like 
yeah, don't let people, you know, don't let people shunt all of your successes over to just the fact that you were in the right place at the right time. That's important. Yeah. Surround yourself with cool people who can make things and, and, do, and like the things that you like, but yeah, don't let, don't let it be simplified down to luck because that's not, yeah. that's not <laughs> exactly. fair to yourself. And if you go to it's bed, it's not thinking, fair to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. If you go to bed thinking that, wow, I, I flip of a coin got me here. You're, that's not great. <laughs> that doesn't feel good. Well, over, you never think time. you deserve it. The, the yeah. problem is you think you haven't earned any of it. If and it's all gonna, luck. You're going to fight you know? um, imposter syndrome for the rest of your life mm -hmm. when you get into this, into my position. Uh, every, every, every day. Every day. <laughs> you, yeah. I mean, every day, I, you know, peeling myself out of bed being like, this job could go away in a second. I'm, I'm a fraud. They made me do a budget. I'm a, I'm a piece of garbage. You it's know a I mean? napkin with a dollar sign. On. Yeah, I look at my bank account and I'm like, they let me do a budget. I just, <laughs> ugh, I ordered pizza five times this week. Why are they? Why did they? So, you know, don't make it harder on yourself by saying that some kind of like fairy came down and. Yeah, and it wasn't a lottery ticket. Is the point? You know, yeah. it wasn't a lottery yeah. ticket. Uh, <clears throat> Jordan, I. I have to say, you know, having gone in pretty cold, you know, I did look look up. Uh, I did have to find like an old site of yours. You found my dark, the dark corners of the internet. <laughs> I went looking, man. I went looking. Yeah. Um, but having come in really cold, like I have to say, like you just, it, it, this has been a fantastic conversation. I really do appreciate mm -hmm. your time. Well, I was excited when Steph invited me. I, he and I have had some of the best. I mean, I've slept on his couch or on his floor. Like, like there yep. was a time when we would we were spending a bit of time together, and <clears throat> so I was excited to come and shoot the shit. And I'm proud of the stuff that I've done and that yeah. we've done at Hit Point Press. It's a small For team sure. and stuff, so I'm always happy to come and talk about myself. So <laughs> anytime. And and you guys are great. Hugh, it was really nice meeting you. Oh, you too. You too, man. This episode of Can't Sell This was produced in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. All creative content contained in this episode is copyright Stefan Grambart and Hugh Elliott. Intro voice by Jeff Wright. Intro music track is Energy by Not Of from their 2015 album Peak. Questions or comments can be sent to admin at can'tsellthispodcast.com. Any other information can be found at can'tsellthispodcast.com.